ago, I was here uh, and I preached the first in, in a three-sermon series on the threefold office of Christ. And so last time, we examined the, the office of prophet uh, for Jesus Christ. And today, uh, the Lord willing, we will hear what God teaches us concerning the other two aspects of his office, so priest and king. And so this morning, in connection with uh, the office of Christ as our priest, our text for this morning is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. After the sermon, we will respond to the gospel of salvation with the singing of hymn 38. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we just sang a moment ago in Psalm 43 about this beautiful desire that we have to be with our God. Send forth, O God of my salvation, your light and truth to be my guide and lead me to my destination, your holy hill and habitation. And then in stanza four, then at your sacred altar standing, my hands to you in prayer I'll raise. In that psalm and also in the combination of uh, that psalm and, and Psalm 42, we can see how those psalmists, the, the sons of Korah, they were telling of somehow being removed from the place where God is worshiped and, and desiring so badly to go back and, and be with him and to enjoy the, the presence and the fellowship of, of our great and wonderful God. Our God is our highest joy. Our God is absolutely everything that we need. And if we could ever have this sense, if we ever did have this sense of being removed from him and being cut away from his presence... Well, that idea is, is too awful for words. But that's the sense that we have to try to imagine this morning if we want to understand the kind of yearning that God's people in the Old Testament had for the coming of Christ. As I just mentioned, this is the second part in the threefold office of Christ Series a, a couple of months ago, I preached concerning Jesus Christ, our chief prophet and teacher. We saw how wonderful it is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully makes known to us the will of God for our salvation. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
reveals God to us. He ensures that we can know him. We know God through Christ. And as we continue to celebrate this, this wonder of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to earth for our salvation, we want to know what it means that the Messiah has come for us as our only high priest. Why did we need this? Why did we, or why, why do we continue to need Jesus Christ as our high priest? Well, first of all, it's important because of all of the benefits that he has accomplished for us as our priest. He has accomplished something that is an immeasurable benefit for us. And if we get right into our text, verse 14 of Hebrews 4, we read there, Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. So Jesus, our high priest, has gone through the heavens. Or he has passed through the heavens. What does that mean? It means that Jesus himself has gone into the presence of God our Father, and he goes in as the sacrifice for our sins in order to bring us with him to God. In our scripture reading from Hebrews 9 that we did just a moment ago, we have this comparison between the work of the Old Testament priests and the work of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. There's... a this whole idea of it that's encapsulated in Hebrews is that we have all these rights as the Jewish people of God and all of the sacrifices and ceremonies, and then Jesus Christ himself is shown as the better one of all of these things. Just as the Old Testament high priest went into the most holy place in the tabernacle or the temple in order to atone for the people of God in the same way but with absolute effectiveness, Jesus has atoned for us by presenting his own blood in the real presence of God. You see, the most holy place of the tabernacle or the temple, it was understood to be the place where God's holy presence was. The whole nation of Israel, the community of people, they were a holy people because God was there. The temple courts were even more holy and sanctified. But the most holy place is like the hot spot of God's holiness because there his presence is understood to be there in, in a fuller degree. And yet, the most holy place wasn't the real most holy place. As we read in Hebrews 9, the one in the tabernacle or the temple, we're supposed to see that as a copy of the real most holy place in heaven. So, Jesus Christ, our mediator, our priest, he went into the real most holy place, in the heavenly places, the, the presence of God, and in making atonement for our sins, he effectively and with finality, he opens the way, he opens the way for us to have access into the presence of God. Because he has gone there and because he 
is still there as our high priest, the way into God's presence is open for us. That's what we read, and that's what comfort is given us in Romans 5, verse 1 and following. It says there, we have peace with God. So instead of having hostility with God because of our sins, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access into this grace in which we now stand. Why is that such an amazing thing? In a sense, that, that sentence in Romans 5, that, that, that's sort of a, a microcosm of, of the entire gospel. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access to God. Think of the understanding of, of all of this before the coming of Christ. We have this comparison between the function of the old covenant and that of the new. What was access to God like before Jesus was born? Before he did all of his work, access to God was severely limited. The way into God's presence was blocked. You couldn't just go in there. That was part of the role of the Old Testament priest, guarding and maintaining the entrance to the tabernacle or the temple, regulating entry. We read that the high priest could only go into the most holy place once per year. You couldn't just come and go as you pleased. Hebrews 9 shows that while the temple was in service, so Hebrews 9 verse 8, during that whole era, the Holy Spirit was teaching God's people something. He was teaching that the way into the presence of God was not yet opened. Access to God was limited. It was limited, and, and it was also always sort of in a state of jeopardy. The priests had to see to it that the relationship between God and his people was maintained. And it was maintained through this work, through the sacrifices and, and all of the other ceremonies of the law. God's promise was that if these things are being done faithfully, if the people would keep God's covenant, if they kept the festivals, if they kept the sacrifices, if they kept all of the Sabbaths, if they walked faithfully in the covenantal relationship that God established with them, then God's promise was, I, would re I will remain with you. Access to God would continue as limited as it was. But what happened? What is the track record of the entirety of the Old Testament? The Old Testament is sort of a, a, a log of how faithful God's people were and, and what happened because of their unfaithfulness. The priests couldn't do this faithfully. The people couldn't remain faithful. Over and over again, temple worship became corrupted. People's hearts turned away from God. They lost access to God. There's this vision in the prophecy of Ezekiel about this tragedy of the glory of God leaving the, te the, the temple going away from there, away from God's people, out of the land, because God's people were unfaithful. It was such a beautiful thing for the people to see at, at, the, uh, at the dedication of the temple that the glory cloud appeared 
and went in and it was a guarantee for God's people. I am with you. I am here and you are allowed to draw near to me and enjoy my presence. And with that vision in Ezekiel, that was all going away. Access to God is gone. God's presence leaves and his people go into exile. And we have to understand that there's a sense in which, even though at the time of the birth of Christ, God's people were back from exile, they weren't in Babylon anymore, they were back in the land where they belonged, so they were restored, they had experienced a measure of restoration, they were still experiencing a sort of exile. All was not well with the people of God. Well, what was so negative about it? Well, they were, they were not under their own rule. They were under the rule of the Romans. They did not have a king on the throne in Jerusalem. There was no son of David on the throne. And they were longing for those golden ages of life with God that Israel had enjoyed before. You think of the days of David and Solomon when there was this beautiful peace in the land of Israel. No fear of enemies. The presence and the favor of God was enjoyed to a wonderful extent. You can, you can read in, in, uh, in 1 Kings when, when the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon and she was just overwhelmed by what she saw there, the relationship of God's people with him. That was such a high point for the people of God. And they wanted that to be restored. They needed it to be restored. They wanted that, that glorious kingdom. They wanted that king, that kind of king back. And we'll see that this afternoon. But they also needed a priest, a better priest, one who would secure God's peace for them. The Old Testament priests, through their work, they were meant to maintain that way into God, that fellowship with God, but it failed. And even when they were doing this faithfully, they weren't able to give the people the real thing, the real way into God's presence. That's the whole point of Hebrews 9. What were they doing? Well, when they were doing their work, bringing these sacrifices, serving before the Lord, we can see that they were, they were sort of pretending to do something that only Jesus could do. It's almost like they were doing a dress rehearsal for the real work of Jesus Christ. The items in the tabernacle were copies of the real things in heaven. The service that was happening there was only a copy of the real service of Christ. And the presence of God in the temple was a copy, a model of the fuller presence of God. It was sort of a, a dress rehearsal for the work of Christ, the work that would really accomplish all of those things. The work of the Old Testament priests was a promise, it was a proclamation, it was instruction concerning the real work of Christ. They maintained the, the way into the presence of God, but you could say that it was a dimmer form of the presence of God. 
Yes, God certainly was with his people. He really was with his people, but they didn't enjoy the fullness of his presence that was to come. And even what they did have, it was taken from them. The better high priest was needed. The one who really could open the way, the real way into the immediate presence of God and the one who would be able to keep it open. This is what Jesus Christ did and continues to do as our priest. This is why we're told to be, to be confident about this. Since Jesus is our priest, not just anybody, not just some mere mortal, but since Jesus is our priest, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Our relationship with God is secure. Perfectly secure. No one can strip it from us. And every blessing that God has ready for us, blessings that are prepared for the people who are reconciled to him, every blessing is secure and guaranteed because our high priest is Jesus Christ. He opened the way. He has taken his place as our mediator, the one in heaven who prays for us, who makes requests for us on our behalf from his father. We're able to know that at all times, we receive every blessing that we need. How can we know that? How can we be so sure? We can be sure because we have a priest who knows exactly what we need. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. Jesus Christ, our priest, is true God, and he still is true man. He experienced every kind of temptation, every kind of hardship that would ever come upon us. He experienced every hardship that would threaten to to destroy our confidence in God. He knows what's out there in this world. He knows what you may encounter. Everything that is designed to rip you away from God. And he knows what you need to overcome that. Because he was just like us. Yet without sin. He still is just like us. And yet without sin. He's your advocate. That's a word that, a title, advocate, that usually is used in legal settings. An advocate is, is a lawyer. He's the one who, who stands between you and the judge. He represents you in court. He knows how to argue. He knows the law and how to make the law work in your favor. The term is also used in issues of health as well. Sometimes people are, are very sick. They really need somebody to advocate for them. It's the same word, just turned into a verb, advocate, advocate. Someone who, they need someone who knows their medical history, someone who knows their unique circumstances, someone who has the boldness to plead with doctors and nurses and demand that 
that, that you receive the treatment that you so badly need. This is our Jesus. He knows what you need. There's nothing that is a mystery for him. He never gets it wrong. You will never be in a situation that God does not understand. We can never say, God couldn't get it. He couldn't understand what, what, what I'm going through. You know, God is God and, and he sees things as God. And I experience the world from the perspective of a, of a sinful and very limited creature. How could God have my eyes to see these things? You know, if I were God, I would make, you know, such and such happen in my life. I, I know what's best for me. God doesn't make this happen the way I know it should because he couldn't know what I'm feeling. He couldn't feel what I feel because he's God. He's, he's just so far beyond. We use that to excuse our responses to situations if we happen to respond with unbelief, with disobedience. We excuse it because, you know, God couldn't understand what I'm actually going through. No, says the writer to the Hebrews. God knows. God knows your condition. He knows your situation. He knows your pain. He knows what is the answer to your condition as well. And he gives it if you ask in faith. James 1, verse 5 and following. If anyone lacks wisdom... And by wisdom, this, this doesn't mean uh, you know, super intelligence. It doesn't mean just being very smart. No, by wisdom, we're meant to understand here the fear of God, confidence in God, trust in God, faith. If any of you lacks this, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Lord, stay 45 on prayer, we confess there that God gives his grace, his Holy Spirit to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these things and thank him for them. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Why shouldn't we doubt? Why ought we not to doubt? It's because of who Jesus is and who he is for you. He is your priest. He opened the way to God for you, and he keeps it open so that you can come near to God. He knows exactly what blessing you need from God, and he advocates for you so that you are guaranteed to receive it. That's who Jesus is for you. That's what he does for you. And since that's true, we can take a real joy in verse 16 of our text. Since all of that is true, since that is who Jesus is for us, and since that is what he has done, if he really did accomplish that, okay, then what's our conclusion? Then let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Not so that we might possibly receive mercy and, and find grace. No, it's so that we definitely will. That's what our priest has done for us. We can approach God with confidence. There's a big difference between 
requesting something that you don't really think you're going to get and requesting something that you know you're going to get. You go in with a completely different attitude, don't you? When we pray to God, we can believe, we must believe that God will give what we ask of him in faith. He will give it. When we ask for the things that we ought to ask for and we believe it, God will certainly grant it. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. What promise of God has ever fallen empty? None. When we pray, we ought to imagine that, that we, are, we are being escorted to the very throne room of God in heaven, the real presence of God. Okay? Think about the confidence that this would give you. In that throne room is God. God is there, sitting on his throne with all power, with the ability to do anything at all. And out here waiting to get in, there are, there are a lot of people who want to go in and have an audience with God. But none of them are able to go in. None of them have admission to come in and speak because nobody is worthy of his presence. Everybody is sinful. Everybody is disqualified from God. What a tragedy. Nobody can go in and, 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 and speak to God and, and make petitions to him. But then Jesus comes. Jesus comes straight to you. Jesus comes up to you and says, oh, it's you. I know you. You're the one that I love. Come on. Come with me. Let's go in together. You come with me. We'll go in together and make your request. And, and Jesus says to you too, he says, I'll tweak your request because, because I, I know what you need. You're not even asking for enough. We'll ask for more. And we'll make sure that you get absolutely everything that you need. Jesus comforts you. He says, you belong to me. And that means that God, the one that we're going in to speak to, he is your father. And he loves you because of me. He loves you. He loves to bless his children. It's amazing. Let's go. Let's go in. You get to go in with Jesus Christ. What kind of confidence would you have going in with Jesus himself? Of course, you would have the highest confidence imaginable. For sure, I'm going to get what I need. Of course, how could you possibly doubt that? That's what he does as our priest. How precarious our situation is without him. How could we ever have any standing at all with God without our high priest, Jesus? But he is our priest. He truly is our priest. Pioneer of our salvation. Mighty advocate and friend. Jesus now in glory raised. Our ascended Lord be praised. Amen.